Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. The first message in our first series, I want to talk to you today about first, first place. First place. Genesis chapter 4 says this, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and that's not like they bumped into each other. It's like they, okay, we'll keep going. Um, he knew his wife, and she conceived. She bore Cain. Cain was the oldest, and she said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again. A lot of scholars believe that they were actually twins because it says that they knew each other once, but they had two conceptions here. And she conceived again, and, uh, the, and, she, and it goes on and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, and, the, and this time it was his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep. He was a rancher. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. He was a farmer. And the process, in the process, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn. Say it with me, firstborn. So in the process of time, Cain brought an offering, but Abel brought the firstborn uh, of, the, of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Cain was very upset about it. He was angry and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. Its desire is for you, but you're supposed to. You should rule over it. It goes on. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. There's some of the repercussions of that murder in the following few verses. But the end result was in verse 16, it says, Then Cain went out. From the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. He went out from the presence of the Lord and he dwelt on the east of Eden. That's where he lived, in the land of Nod. And so I'm going to pray this morning about, talk to you about first place. You ready to go? God, I just thank you for the privilege being at the greatest church in, in, in Southern California, Orange County, in, uh, in Mission Viejo, Laguna Niguel, San Juan Capistrano. We just thank you for this great group of people. God, I love these people with all my heart, and I thank you that the privilege that Rashawn and I have to lead them, to, to feed them, to encourage them, to impart grace to them. So I ask you today, whether it's their first time here with us, or they come faithfully every week, that you would nourish them, that you would grow them, and that their faith and their knowledge of you, their encounter, their experience with you would continue to enlarge. We love you so much. I pray we'd have a good time today. And we thank you for the win over the Warriors. And we pray for continual favor over God's team, the Los Angeles Lakers. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it today, if you're a Christian, say amen. Amen, amen. Come on, thank you so much, Stacey. Give Stacey a big hand clap. We love you, Stace. She's single, guys. Hello. <laughs> I was kidding. I was kidding. She is. Um, <clears throat> so good. So good to have you here with us this morning. Uh, I don't know, but I gotta, I gotta confess to you, I'm a pastor, so I get, I, I, read a, I gotta tell the truth. I, uh, I don't like losing. I'm not a good loser. Any, anybody in here uh, not good at losing? All right, four of you, they're honest. And uh, how many of you are married to one of these people? You're enjoying that, okay. Uh, I don't know what it is. I just, my wife and I were both uh, highly competitive. 
Uh, my wife's family's even more competitive than I am and my family. But I just don't like losing. I like, I like to win. I like to win at sports and activities, board games. Uh, we play cards, this card game called Dutch Blitz. If you know, you know. And that's uh, really the, it's, it's one of the chosen sports of Ocean's Church. And uh, play quite a bit. But I, just, I don't like losing. My wife and I were playing, uh, actually this week, Dutch Blitz. And it, emotions ran high and tempers flared. And really, uh, the, the genuineness of our salvation was revealed. And uh, we, we ended up kind of working through it, but we got a little bit heated over the game, and uh, neither one of us liked to lose, and we liked to win. I, uh, my, my, my in-laws were collegiate athletes. My brother-in-law played basketball at Boise State. My father-in-law played uh, college basketball. I was an amateur pro snowboarder before I became a Christian uh, when I lived in Palmdale, California growing up, and uh, <clears throat> Palmdale, hello. All right. <clears throat> and... Uh, I just remember growing up, I just always liked to win. I like being in first place. I don't know what it is about human beings, but I, <clears throat> I find that we have this, <clears throat> excuse me, let me drink something. Is that all right? Just talk amongst yourselves. <clears throat> One time I, I saw a missionary, he had this big bottle of water. He's like, I'm going to take a little sip. And he drank the whole bottle without stopping. And the whole church just laughed. It was awesome to recreate that one day. Uh, I, I, I don't know what it is, but human beings, I find most of us are fascinated with keeping track of what's first. We just, we do. We, we watched, uh, yesterday I watched uh, a lot of college football because there's a battle right now over who will be first place. Uh, number one team played the number four team, number two played number three, and we keep track of all kinds of things. We keep track of uh, NFL teams. We want to know who goes first in the draft every year. We keep track of our fantasy football leagues. Some of you guys, too much. Come on, Joel Faust. And uh, we, we keep track of a lot of things. When you're, if you're a realtor, if you're a salesperson, people keep track of the first, uh, first person in sales in the office who billed the most that month. We, just, we have this obsession and fascination over what is first. I don't know what it is, but pretty much everything. You, you go to restaurants. You don't want to go to any restaurant. I want to go to the number one, come on, Mexican restaurant in South Orange County. And so I'm going to look it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at Yelp. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at... Number one hotel to stay at when you're on vacation. I don't know if you've been there before, but you look up number one hiking trail in South County. Number one destination for honeymoons. Number one cheapest place that's nice. Come on. I feel like many times we have this obsession and fascination over what is number one? What is first? What is best? And what I've learned is first, best, and beginnings are all connected. You write that in your notes if you want to write that down. First, best, and beginnings are intricately woven together. There is, a, there is a collective correlation between first, best, and beginnings. And I believe that God is first, he's best, and he is the beginning. And today, many of us, we're like, man, I don't know, why do I like first? Why am I obsessed with being the best, with a striving? You know, why do Olympic athletes... They give their entire lives, many of them don't even make much monetary money, but they devote their lives at the aspiration of being the best, being first, standing at the top step of the podium. And I don't know, whatever it is inside of us, for whatever reason, we have this innate fascination with what is first, what is best. We like number that's why we don't say, yeah, me and my wife, we got married. I knew she was the four the moment I saw her. 
I just looked at her. I'm like, this girl's number 11. And I'm going to wife this lady because she's number 13, 14, 18. Come on. You say you find the, you don't say it's one of your men. It's your best man. Why is it that first, best, and number one are all, for some reason, such a high value inside of the hearts of all human beings? I don't care if you're atheist, Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu. It's funny. All of us share this commonality that we're attracted and we're gravitating towards best. I don't have a desire to go to a gym on a Saturday morning and watch, you know, fifth grade girls play basketball unless my daughter is wearing a jersey. I don't go to watch athletes at a low level. I want to watch athletes perform at the highest level. Are you hearing me today? We don't dream in worst case scenario. We dream in, why is it that we fantasize? We don't, we, none of us go, hey, you know, hopefully one day I can get married to someone I'm kind of attracted to. Have a decent marriage. Maybe have some average kids. Maybe, maybe figure out a way to live a pretty, pretty mundane and monotone career. And maybe have an average business that I can barely pay my bills. Why is it that we never, none of us, we never dream, imagine, or visualize in average or normal scenarios? We're always gravitated towards best. When you watch athletes, I want to watch the fastest, the most athletic, the highest jumper, the greatest catcher, the fastest sprinter. If I'm going to the Olympics, I'm not going, we're not sending our average. America's going to send their because our desire is to get first place. We have a fascination with first, and I wanna tell you why. Three, three points here today, and I have a few, few thoughts I wanna share with you, but I believe, number one, the reason why humanity is drawn to first and to number one is because, you're taking notes, write this down, it's because you came from number one. Do you know the reason why you desire greatness? It's because you come from greatness. Do you know the reason why you're drawn to what's, what's premium, what's premier, what's, what's the most elite or the zenith of a, of a vocation? If you're selling real estate, I aspire to be the, <clears throat> the best. If I have a dentist office, I want to be a successful office. If I'm a, if I'm a developer, I want to be, are you following me today? <clears throat> All of us have this innate desire to do something great, and I believe it's this because you came from it. You came from first. We came from him. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, that Jesus is the first fruits. He is the first fruits of all creation. It goes on, it says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, or verse 15, it says that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. So he's the first fruits, and he is the firstborn. And I believe that not only do you desire what's number one because you come from it, I believe number two, it's because you, you, uh, it's because God gave his first. You see, I believe that not only do you have a desire to, uh, to what's best because you came from it, I believe, secondly, I actually believe this, that your desire innately inside of every human being is the same desire, that you want to give your best to something. All of us do. And some of you are like, well, I would never give my worship or my praise or my gratitude or my adoration to God. But you'll give it to the NFL on Sunday mornings, Monday nights, Thursday nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights, Tuesday nights, all the nights. I won't worship God, but I'll worship my career. I won't worship God, but I'll worship my kids. I won't worship my kids, but I'll worship my wife. It's funny. It doesn't matter. The truth is everyone will worship with their best something. But I want you to know that the, old, that the fastest way 
be empty in life is to give your first and your best to something other than God. That was worth writing down this morning. I'll say amen to myself. Amen, preacher, go ahead. It's good preaching. I actually believe this, that the number one reason why people live empty lives is because they're giving their first and they're giving their best to something other than the one that deserves it. Which is my third point, is I believe you came from the best. I believe that Jesus, God, in Jesus, gave his best. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still screwed up, God sent Jesus to die for us. God gave us his best. And number three, I believe this, that, that God deserves first. He deserves our best. There's no one else on the earth that is more worthy than God for the best. And I wanted to share a couple things that God can't do. Quite frankly, there's a few things, why, a few reasons why God deserves our first and our best. And I'm going to get this back to Cain and Abel in just a moment. I believe there's just a few things that God can't do. Number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. God can't change. Do you know that God can't change? God's not good at changing because to change would insinuate that God could improve. The only time we have to change is if we have to get better. And quite frankly, ladies and gentlemen, God cannot do that. He cannot get better than he currently is. They call it, theologians call it the immutability of God. God is the same and he does not have to change. And he's so large, so grand, so big, opulent, that throughout eternity, you will never figure out all the intricacies of who God is. Every time you start to figure out God, he, like a diamond, like one of Rihanna's diamonds, come on, will turn a little bit, and all of a sudden, you'll start seeing God under a new facet of lights. God never has to change because God cannot improve. Number two, come on, if you're going to clap for him today, give him a good hand clap. God can't change. The reason why he deserves our praise is not only because he can't change, it's, it's because he doesn't think like we think. Do you know that God has never had an epiphany? God has never said, you know what, I never thought of that. He's never said, you know what, it just came to me. It just occurred to me. God has never said that. It just occurred to me. He knows everything all the time, the end from the beginning. He can't think the way that we think. That's why it goes and says in Isaiah that his thoughts are not our thoughts, nor is it his ways, our ways, for his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It says as the heavens are high above the earth, so are his thoughts above our thoughts. He doesn't change, and ladies and gentlemen, he doesn't think like we think. And number, th- number three is, is, this is the big point of the day, my, kind of my thesis, is God cannot be second. He can't be second. It says in Revelations, I believe it's chapter 22, it says that God, he, he's, he's the first and the last. Revelations 22, verse 13. He's the beginning, he's the end. He's the alpha and he's the omega. God is not good at being second because he's never been second. And I believe the reason why there's a spiritual malnutrition in the church in the Western world is because we have hearts for God, but we're not giving God our first and our best. We're giving God the leftover space of our lives. And I'll, I'll let be really honest with you. You can have a good heart for God, a good mind for God, but you'll never live to the capacity and the potential that God has for you and your family until God sits in his rightful place. He's not good at being second. He's good at being first. I don't know why, but many people think, well, I'm just going to give God whatever's kind of left over. And I believe this with all of my heart, that if God was a golfer, his score would be 18. 
If he was a baseball player, he would bat 1,000. He's never missed. He's never been late. We know he's never been early. Come on. We know that God is perfect in all of his ways. And some of you are here today and you're like, what, why, why is my life out of order? If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. Putting things in the first place brings order. Putting first things first is what brings and creates order in our life. And I can prove it to you if someone had a button t-shirt on, top to bottom. All you'd have to do is undo your shirt, which we won't ask you to do in church, come on. But if you're at home, when you're buttoning up your shirt, if you were to put the top button in the second hole, it does not matter how much you manipulate, how much you work, how hard you try, the rest of the shirt will not line up properly until the first button is in the first hole. First things have to be, are you hearing me today? In the first spot. What's the, what's the dilemma with Cain and Abel? I heard, a, I heard on TV one time they said, uh, it was a documentary on Cain and Abel. And uh, this commentator had like this Morgan Freeman voice. And they're like, and, and scholars and theologians and, and Jews and, and uh, uh, Muslims and Christians all alike, they do not know why uh, God respected Abel's sacrifice, but did not respect Cain's sacrifice. And I'm sitting there eating Funyuns. And I'm like, I know the answer to that. They should have asked me. I'll tell you why he respected one and didn't respect the other. It's because Abel gave his firstborn. He was a rancher. So the first animal that he produced, and I'll tell you what, it, it requires faith to give first. That's why it honors God so much. Because if you give what's left over, after you know the outcome, you're not living in faith. If Abel would have gave the last, last animal he produced, it required no faith to honor God. And by the way, it wouldn't make God first in his life. So you know what he does is he gives, he gives him the very first animal he produces. But it says this little thing about Cain. It says, in the process of time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord. Now, before some of your minds go in the gutter and you think this is a money message, it's not a money message. I believe that this isn't just true of offerings financially. It's true of your time, your talents, and everything else in your life. I believe that the spirit of Cain is still alive on the earth today. And it actually, we know the heart of Cain. How could you know the heart of Cain? Because it says in Jude, there's only one chapter in Jude, verse 11, it says that the, the, the spirit of Cain was the same as Korah and another, another person, but it says two things about it. Jude 1.11, it says, it says that his spirit was greedy and it was rebellious. You know what Cain wanted to do? He did what most Christians in America want to do. This is what we say. I'll give, but I'll give what I want, when I want. Why would God receive Abel's offering, but not receive Cain's offering. It's because Cain thought to himself, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make God in my image. And that's what we're still doing today. I heard a scholar once say, in the beginning God created man, and ever since, man has been trying to return the favor. I'm telling you that God is not a God that we bring down to our level. He is a God that we worship at his level. If you're going to clap this morning, come on, give God a good hand clap. It's good preaching. Amen. I'm not lying to you, and I, I just want to be really clear with you. I don't want anything from you, but I am unapologetic in saying that I do want something for you. I believe the reason why there's no order in most people's lives, especially in the Western world, is because we put first things place 
and we filled it with second, third, fourth, and fifth things, priorities. And whenever you major in minors and minor in majors, you'll never get the degree God wants for you to get. Are you still with me? And so here, I wanna, I'm almost finished with this thought, but I, I believe that Cain gave what he wanted when he wanted. And I just want you to know that it's very clear. We know what to give. We know when to give. We even know how to give. But here's the, here's the premise of it, is we have to learn this one thought, is that God deserves first. Every area of our life. That's why we're finishing this year, and I'm teaching you this, because as a community, Ocean's Church, you mark my words, we will continue to expand. God is going to bless this community. We're going to have campuses at every major ocean in the world one day. You mark my words. You're going to tell people, I was there when it was small, a little theater, and now look at what God's doing to impact the world through that church. Listen, why? It's because we're going to be a church that teaches people how to put God first. God deserves the first part of my year. He deserves the first part of my day. He deserves my first words. He deserves my first thoughts. Are you hearing me? He deserves my best of all that I produce. I'm going to honor him with first. And I believe if you want order in your life, you give him the first. Why? Because we learned this, and I'm going to teach on this in a few weeks, is that the first has the power to redeem the rest. I've learned this, that the first either has to be sacrificed or the first has to be redeemed. And I'm going to teach out of Exodus in a couple of weeks. When it talks about Exodus 13, right after, right before they enter into the promised land. God says, guys, whenever you produce something, I, it says, I the Lord, I deserve the first. The firstborn is mine. Exodus 13.1, he says, all the first of man and all the first of beast belongs to me. It's mine. And I believe the reason why there's, again, there's this malnutrition in the soul of humanity that we live in mansions and we're married to models and we have amazing children, but we're still suicidal, we're still depressed, and we're still addicted to prescription medication or narcotics is because you're giving your first and your best to something that can't satisfy your soul. The fastest way to emptiness is to give second to what's first and give first to what's second. Are you hearing me today? Almost finished up. But I believe fundamentally many people go, well, I, I, I can't. Uh, why would God deserve my first and my best? I believe it's because he can't change. I believe we should worship him, give him first because he doesn't think like we do, that he can't be second. How about this? God can't remember your confessed sins. That's a good thought. It says as far as the east is from the west. Why is that so good? Because if God would have said as far as the north is from the south. If you were on a globe and you spun the globe, a little globe in the classroom, if you traveled north long enough on the earth, you'd eventually be going south. And if you went south, eventually on the earth, you'd be going north. But if you go west or you go east, west and east never collide. They're eternally separated. And God says, as far as the east is from the west, so have I removed your sins from you. I believe that some of you today, I I think you got to get this in your spirit, he deserves my first because he doesn't remember my mistakes that I've confessed to him. And how about this one? I I love this, that he deserves our best because he cannot, this is what God can't do, he can't worship. You ever thought about this? God can't worship. How do you know that God can't worship? Because to worship something requires that, that there's value in it that's greater than you. To worship something... Uh, It actually has to have something beyond what you are. And because there's nothing higher than God, God cannot worship. God made us to worship him. 
And I believe that many people, they go, you know, I'm not going to ever worship God. I'm not a worshiper. And it's like, yes, you are. We were all made to give our first and our best to something. But I'm just going to be honest with you. Many of us were discouraged and we're living under the, under the, le- the water table level of God's blessing in our life because we're worshiping things that aren't God first. So Cain, he, he says, I'll give what I want. I'll give when I want. And we, we know this, that he ends up committing the first murder in the Bible. So we see the first twins. We see the first murder. We see the first, I mean, there's a lot of firsts in this passage. Do you ever thought about this? Abel was the first martyr in the Bible. It says, that, it says that he was a righteous man in Hebrews. And it says that he was the first martyr. How about this? Abel was the first person to ever go to heaven. You ever thought about that? He is the first one to ever enter into the gates of glory. And I believe that today we learn from this passage that Abel gave what's first and what's best to God, and he was accepted and he was respected. And Cain gave whatever, whenever to God, and it wasn't respected. Do you know why God is so serious about giving what's first? Because God gave us his first. Do you know that the tithe is the first 10% of your money? And you know why God respects the tithe so much? Because Jesus was God's tithe. Jesus was the first 10. He was the first fruits, and he was the firstborn, as I read already, of all creation. And I believe many people, they don't realize, why is everything out of order in my life? It's because you don't realize that God deserves first because he gave us his first. Almost finished here. So what do we do as we kind of we wind this down? Is I, I want to just give you a few scriptures. You can write them down in your notes. The band can come up here. I'm about finished this morning. Is I believe, it says in Exodus, that all the first is his. And it goes on, it says this, uh, in Joshua 6, verse 19. Why is it that when the children of Israel entered in to the promised land, the first city, Joshua 6, 19, God says, I want all the gold, all the silver, all the treasure from Jericho. The rest of the cities, you can keep whatever you, whatever you, whatever you get. But Jericho, everything that's sacred in that city belongs to me. Do you know why God asked for everything in, the, in that city? Because it was the first city. And God always, he wants to be honored with what's first. And I'm going to say, I'm going to use pretty strong language here, so just follow me. But I believe that whatever you don't give God first doesn't have the power to be blessed and multiplied after. And I think many of us, we keep living the same year over and over again, like Groundhog Day. Marriage is the same. Kids are the same. Business is the same. Anger problems are the same. Uh, bad addictions are still the same because we keep giving God the same part of our life. When do things begin to change for me, my wife, my marriage, my kids, my business, my family? I'll tell you, be really honest with you. It's when you make a conscious decision in your heart. I will give God what's first, and I will give God what's best. I shared this last week. Before I do anything else every morning, I wake up, and the first thing I do every morning is I grab my phone. Someone's like, I do that too. Okay, stay with me. I grab my phone. I open up the Bible app. There's the curveball. And I start reading a chapter out of the Bible, and I take my favorite verse that day, I copy it, I get an image, I actually do images now every morning, and I'll send that image, uh, I think it's about 80-something guys now, it's like nine, not eight or nine different threads, group text messages, uh, which you find out who your real friends are if, you let, if they let you group text you every day. But I send a group text every morning of my favorite Bible verse, 
and, and they all like it, and they'll start sending verses back to me that they like that day. The first part of my day, um, the first thing I look at with my eyes, and this is where I land the plane. I want you to write these three things down. God is worthy of the first part of your time. January 13th, why should I prioritize on a Sunday evening? Why would I go to church two times in one day? How about this answer? Because it's the first part of the year. And if you want God to bless the next 11 months, how about you give God some significant time in the first month? So January 13th, we're not going to one or the other, either or. I'm asking the whole church to rally. And we're going to honor God in the morning, and we're going to go hard after God at night. We're going to give God. I've done this every year for 16 years. I fasted and I prayed. Our church did it every year. And during that fasting and prayer time, I would, I would write down what I'm believing God for that year and what I believe God was speaking to me, to my family, to our business, to our ministry that year. You know what's funny? The things I prayed about, <clears throat> things I, the things I fasted for in January, it's always funny to me. I would read what I wrote down every, in all my journals. I have, I have two pages of like kind of my faith goals for the new year, what I believe God's saying to me. You know what the irony is? Every year at the end of the year, I would say 80 to 90% of what I prayed about and I brought to God in January was a reality in my life in December. Ian Bounds says that when I fail to pray, coincidences cease to exist. Some of you, you're like, I've never seen God move in my life because you've never given God a target to aim after. When you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. But when you say, God, I'll give you the first part of this year, and I'm believing for a new job. I'm believing for a raise. I'm believing that, God, you're going to restore my marriage. I'm, I'm believing that you're going to get a hold of my kids. I, I'm believing I'm going to get free from this drug abuse issue and this, this addiction to bad things online. I believe this year, I'm going to give you the first. You're going to heal my cancer. You're going to touch my body. I'm giving you the first part of this year. And not only will I give you the first part of the year, I'm going to give you the first part of every day. You ever notice that when you go to church on Sunday, a lot of times you have a a better week? Why is it? It's because you gave God the first day of the week. Church is honoring God the first day of the week. Opening up your Bible in the morning and honoring Him first gives God the first part of the day. And remember this, the first always has the power to redeem the rest. That's why, secondly, I'm not going to just give God my time this year. I want to encourage Ocean's Church to give God your talents. Give God your talents. You know what messes people up? Is when they use the gifts that God gave them only to build their empire, not God's kingdom. I'll be real with you. I think many people, I mean, why is it? I mean, I'm convinced if being rich, being famous, being a celebrity, if that's what made you happy, why is Hollywood so depressed? I want you to know that being rich, being famous, having all the things monetarily, nothing wrong with stuff. But I just want you to know that if you think that if you made more or you married better or you had those kids or that life or that house, I would be more fulfilled, you're duped. Because the reality is, is that you, if you use the gifts God's given you only to build your, your castle, you'll never know the fulfillment of building his kingdom. God will give you gifts to build your, your life. But I want to make a commitment to you that Matthew 6, 33 is not lying. When Jesus says, seek first my kingdom, seek first my righteousness, he says, all other things will take care of themselves if you put me first. But you know what we do is we say, well, that's kind of true, but I'm going to try it my own way. Why is it that human beings, we always think that we're the exception? That might be true for everybody else, but I think we'll be fine. 
let me try it my way, God. I mean, I heard that money and fame doesn't make you fulfilled, but let me just give it a shot anyways. I actually think that many people, they think that they're the exception. I want you to know, you're exceptional, but no one in this room is the exception to the rule. God is the only one that can fulfill the, the desires of your heart and your life. He's the only one that can complete it. So I want you to write this down. I want to give God the best part of my talent. I'm not against, if you're a movie maker, make movies, please. But how about you use some of that creative gift in your studio and maybe your, your resources to make better movies for the church you're in. I'm not against you being a phenomenal, you know, school teacher, but how about you use that gift maybe every once in a while, maybe once a month, and teach some of the kids that go to your community church. I'm not against you being great at business, but how about you leverage some of your business knowledge to help God's church and the kingdom advance forward? I don't know what it is, but I've learned this, that people that use their talent for God, God will always bless what he, the talent they use for themselves. Give God your time. Give God your talent. And number three, I want to encourage them. Again, I'll be very clear on this point. I don't want anything from you. We're doing fine as a church. God's blessing us already. We're growing every week. God's, we're already paying for all of our own bills, which is pretty incredible only being 15 weeks old. But I want you, we have money in the bank. God's blessed our community already. But I want you to know this, this third thing. I can't not share this with you because it'd be like having the cure to your cancer and saying, well, I might offend them if I share this with them. I want you to know, I got to tell you the truth because I do believe that if you want God to bless all the other areas of your life, you give him the first of your time, first of your talents, but you give him the first of your treasure. I'm convinced that we think that we know more than God, that you know what, God, I'm going to do more with 100% than you could do with the 90%. It says in Proverbs 3, I think it's verse 9, it says, honor the Lord, honor the Lord with your wealth. It says, and honor the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase. My wife and I are getting ready to sell our house, and we tithe. We, you know, we give above and beyond. Every year we try to add, whether we make more or not, we've tried to add another percent to our giving every year. And uh, we're getting ready to sell our house in Idaho, and it's like we have hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity now in this house. The market spiked. We've got a great deal on it. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, when we sell this house, like, what, do I have to tithe on a big amount like that? How about... I need it for California, God. And I'm literally arguing with God this week. I'm like, you know, maybe I can just tithe everything else. But that large lump sum, we need every penny to get a house. <clears throat> and God reminded me when I was, when I was like 22 years old, but Rashawn had just gotten married. And we switched her insurance policy. It was the height of the recession at our church in Idaho. Uh, our church lost 70% of its giving because all of the economy fell out. We, we went from a staff of about 55 people to a staff of 11 people. And we cut every ounce of fat we could cut off the body. And we cut into the muscle of the church. We were barely making our bills. And we, we, we got a check in the mail when we switched our insurance, uh, life insurance policy. And I can't remember the exact amount. It was in the thousands of dollars. And, you know, $7,000 back then would be like $7 million now. And I remember getting this check in the mail and... I remember I, I opened it up, I'm like, oh my gosh, $7,000. And it was my wife's uh, uh, 5-0, or what is it, no, uh, 401, no, not 401k, what's, IRA, there it is. It was a Roth IRA that she had, we were, we were rolling it over. And we got the check, and we were just going to take it and re-roll it into another policy. And uh, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit said, Mark, the church is hurting right now. Will you honor me with this, with this check? And I thought, get behind me, Satan. 
I know the voice of the snake. But you know what I realize is that the devil never tells us to be generous. Only God tells us to be generous. And I'll be honest, great givers are usually the stingiest people you'll ever meet. Because to be extravagant in your giving, you have to be extravagant at your saving. And my wife and I, she's the giver, just loves to give. I'm like, let's count every dollar and make sure we're accounted for. And I remember my wife knows whenever God's speaking to me, because I'm not the one that usually initiates, hey, we're supposed to do this or give this. But I kid you not, the Holy Spirit was so real. And I was wrestling with God. You ever wrestled with God before? And I'm wrestling. Like, I'm, I'm making every reason like, God, that's our retirement. We work at the church, you know, like the pay's awful, the hours are long, but the retirement package is out of this world, you know? I'm like, I need this money to retire. And uh, I heard the Holy Spirit. He said a very simple phrase. He said, Mark, do you want me to be your retirement? Or do you want that to be your retirement? And it was just crystal clear. I'm like, all right, God, it's yours. And I'm not saying that you always have to do these things. I'm just telling you that you know when God begins to speak to you to give. My wife and I already tithe. And I'll never forget sowing in our church in the greatest hour of its need. And I'll never forget, man, honestly, you know, years, uh, actually it was probably six months later, we got an unexpected check in the mail for double the amount. Six months, it was almost to the day. Six months later from our mortgage company that like overcharged us for something. And we got this massive check in the mail. And I've just learned this, that you really can't, when you're obeying God, you can't outgive him. I am a firm believer that if you want all of your finances to be blessed, give God the first part of them. And again, listen to me really clearly. If you start giving to God and you're not in a better place financially six months or a year from now, can I just liberate the whole room right now to prove this to you? I want to make a commitment as your pastor. I've done this for the last 10 years. I've never had to do it one time, but I want to throw it out there. If you've never tried giving God the first 10% of your money, I want to let you know that you start tithing. I don't care. Just to prove that we don't want your money, go to your phone book that you don't have anymore. How about go on your phone? Find a random church somewhere in the world and start giving them the first 10% of your money. You think I want your money, I don't. I want you to be blessed. And to prove this to you, I don't care if you give to our church or another church, start tithing to the house in, uh, in Los Angeles, thehouse.org if you want to. I'm telling you, I believe in tithing to your local church, but just to prove it to you, tithe to any church, and if you're not in a better position, if you start tithing to our church six months, a year from now, I will return every dollar to you. I'll write you a check for what you've given to Ocean's Church. Because I'm convinced the only area that God said, test me in, is when it comes to your treasure. Matthew 6.20 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's the difference between Cain and Abel? Abel gave God his heart. Cain gave God what was left over. You can never give God your whole heart if you don't give God every area of your life, including your money. The Bible talks more about money than it talks about faith and prayer. Did you know that? Why is it that the fastest way to get, get your attention is to give your money to something? And I want you to know real quick, again, I don't want anything from you, but I do want something for you. My wife and I started one of the largest fashion kids magazines in the world from Boise, flipping Idaho. My wife didn't go to some big school in L.A. or San Francisco. She was a stay-at-home mom, youth pastor in Idaho. How in the world do you start a world-class magazine as a stay-at-home mom in Idaho? She started working for Disney. Disney bought one of the largest sites called Babel in New York. They hired like three writers in every aesthetic. My wife was one of the people they hired. Disney educated my wife with this world-class education in Idaho. We're youth pastors. 
How did God bless you guys so much? I believe it's because he could trust us with little. Jesus said, if I can trust you with little, I can trust you with much. He went on to say, if you can't, be, you can't be trustworthy with monetary wealth, who will give you true heavenly riches? This church, listen to me, mark my words, this will be a church that has more than we need, and we will start orphanages, we'll start hospitals, and I believe this, the days will come that will impact world global economies because of the resources that God gives to Ocean's Church. We're going to have more than our needs, and we're going to take care of the needs of other people. Why? Because we're going to put God first. Are you hearing me today? If you put God first, he will bless every area of your life. It's talking, I'm, I'm sorry I'm going long on this. It's probably one of the biggest needs in the church today. We're like, why, why do I make more money but I'm still in debt? How can, I, I thought I was going to get out of debt when I got my degree and I started making $100,000 a year. It says in, I can't remember, I think it's Haggai, it says that when you don't give God the first, it's like, it's like your pockets have holes in them. I'll give what I want, when I want. I'm just going to be honest with you. You'll always have holes in your pockets. But if you will give God the first and you give God the best, I promise, you know what I've learned? Every tither I've ever met says the same thing and every non-tither I've met says the same thing. You know what tithers say? I'm blessed. We're blessed. You know what non-tithers say? I can't afford to tithe. I, I can't afford to give. I'm blessed. You make... $900,000 a year and you can't afford to give? Yeah, I can't afford to do it. You make, you make $6 an hour and you're blessed. Why is it that when, I'm sorry, is it, I'm just, I'm sorry, I, I gotta stop, but I'm not lying to you today. I'm not selling anything to this room that I don't smoke myself. Can I get an amen? I promise you that if you put God first with your time, he'll bless the rest of it. If you put him first with your talents, he'll bless the rest of your endeavors. And if you'll put God first in your money and your treasure, he'll have your heart and he'll bless every area of your family and your life. If you believe it, give him a hand clap this morning. I promise you. And I'll give you no worry guarantee that if you're not in a better place, if you're giving to our church, I can't give money back that you give to other churches. But whatever you give to this church, I'll say, hey, $10,000, twenty, whatever, I'm going to write you a check. I commit to that. It's on, the, it's on our podcast. Stand your feet with me. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.